Today on Founder Journey, we're going to talk about the gaming industry. We've got Kenny Wang. He's an industry veteran. He's building his second gaming studio called Tiny Rex. We're going to discuss his time at EA, the lessons learned there compared to the lessons he learned when uh, building his first studio, uh, Blueback Games, which ultimately got acquired, and then also Tiny Rex that he's building now. We're going to talk about game mechanics and the different uh, genres of games, but we're also going to talk about his journey for his acquisition, what it was like going through the acquisition process, and then post-acquisition, integrating his team into uh, the parent company and all the dynamics that happen uh, once your company gets acquired. Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of Founder Journey. Today, we've got Kenny Wang. On this episode, Kenny and I have known each other for probably about well over 10 years. Kenny started a company called Blueback Games, and they were part of the Grow Lab cohort. And the Launch Academy started at Grow Lab, and we were working side by side, and I got to see the journey from the early dates to the ultimate exit that Kenny had with Bluebat. Uh, Kenny, welcome to Founder Journeys. Please tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and a little bit more about Tiny Rex, the new gaming studio that you just started. Oh, wow. Uh, well, thank you for the introduction, Ray. Uh, you're right. It's like it's been uh, 10 years since we know each other. Um, you can I tell by the here. <laughs> this was not here 10 years ago. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, you know, yeah, I remember those days, Grow Lab, Launch Academy, like we were just, uh, we were both in the same office and, uh, and we just literally had a desk. And, you know, at, at that time, it was like the, the whole co-working space was the, you know, a big thing as well. Um, and I do remember like all the different, uh, I guess, the, uh, everything that we've been, been through together and be able to see each other's journeys. And so it was a... Um, yeah, if I recall, you had, a, you had an office uh, that was in Chinatown. So a few blocks away, more than a few blocks away from Girl Lab. So you'd always trek down for the meetings and, and uh, yeah. events that we were having in the space. Yeah, we, we were, uh, I mean, I mean, at that time, we were like being very frugal, right? So Chinatown, you know, at that time was like a little bit uh, uh, shady. Um, so I remember <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, coming here, you know, we had to like walk over needles and that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> needles on the ground. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, but I used to go back and forth and um, yeah, it was good. Time. Yeah, but I also had some of the best food spots for lunch. Oh, God, yeah. There's like Gastown as well, right? Yeah. This could turn into a food blog right now or a food podcast, but uh, well, we won't. We'll, we'll stick to gaming. Uh, tell us a little bit about, um, uh, just a little bit more about yourself, and then uh, we'll dive into Tiny Rex. Yeah, I mean, I can uh, I can start from the, I guess, not from the very beginning, but from the uh, the beginning of my gaming career, uh, which started at EA, and, you know, I did my whole, uh, started as an engineer, and then switched over to product management and all that stuff, and then... Uh, and then started a uh, blue bat around uh, 20, 2011 with uh, my co-founder Tim Harris, um, and uh, and then you know we did our thing at that time. It was like the Facebook was the uh, the in thing, right? Facebook games, and it was like a wow wow west of um you can do um pretty much it was like you can do anything on there um, because you know Facebook was relatively new, and uh, so you know we could like market all over the place, and it was like we just like Farmville just blew everything up, right? So we saw an opportunity there uh, to hit the Facebook social games. Um, and then, uh, and you know, we, we, we tried, we made uh, probably six or seven games um, and none of them were really uh, hit games per se, uh, not enough anyway to sustain a studio. Um, but then at some point we realized that uh, we, the tech that we built 
for these games was actually um, more valuable than the games themselves. Uh, so that that's when we pivoted, and that's also when we uh, you know went into Grow Lab, and that's when we met you guys. And that's that's for the audience. So that's a, kind of like a aha moment or an epiphany. It's like, oh wow, people actually want to use our our backend, our technology for their games, and that now turns you into a B two B company, which uh, for most people listening know that that's oftentimes a more lucrative path to go um, because of the stability and the type of clients that you get and, and um, the dependence that they have on your technology moving forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? Because, um, uh, you know, with games, it's a very hip-based type of business, right? So, um, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of like the movies, right? Like you might have, uh, you know, 100 games or 100 movies, um, and you might have like one or two hits out of it. Um, and, you know, there was a gold rush um, into this Facebook social gaming, which was like a completely new thing. Um, and what we described to our, our investors at that time was that, um, you know, there's all these people digging for gold. And what we wanted to do was uh, sell them that shovel, right? Rather than like joining the gold rush ourselves because um, there were just too many and, uh, and we weren't uh, having any luck. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that's- like Throwback the old mining days and the mining rush where yes, you can be that prospector going out and looking for gold and putting in the hard work, or you can be the one that sets up the uh, general store and sells Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you sell them the shovel, the map. Yeah. And the great thing is for the prospector, you're only successful if you find the gold. Whereas for the person selling the picks and shovels, the white label solutions, the platform, it doesn't matter if they ultimately strike gold or not, they're buying your services and buying your products on that journey. And if they do find gold that much better because they're going to keep buying finding more gold and they can come back and buy more picks and shovels if they don't find any gold well it doesn't matter they already bought your picks and shovels they might not come back again or they might come back when they find a new place to go prospect but uh, you still made your money that is true if uh if we did what you just said <laughs> um, <laughs> so so what, what we did was uh you know a lot of um our, our customers per se were a lot of uh, these these indie developers, right? That, that kind of came to us, uh, you know, uh, through meetups and that kind of stuff. Um, and um, and yeah, if we sold them shovel and if we actually charged them something, then yes, we would have made our revenue um, even if they didn't find gold. Um, but we weren't that smart. So what, what we did was uh, we said, hey, we're gonna take a revenue uh, share of your whatever you make, right? Um, so So the problem with that is you know, a lot of the indie developers made zero. And uh, so, so, you know, 20% of zero is still zero. So it was like, a, so, you know, we kind of um, went down that path of, uh, you know, not, not the greatest uh, business strategy. Well, it, it does have its benefit though, right? Because that's kind of like the whole venture capital type model where yes, you're going to make a hundred investments, but uh, 90 of them are probably going to fail. Yeah. Five of them are probably going to break even three might make or two might make you some decent money yeah yeah. yeah but the two that ultimately become those billion dollar companies are what makes it work for you and it's the same thing on your end by doing that rev share not only are you trying to help your industry help the indie developers by not giving them overhead up front but the ones that are successful are going to come back and pay you tenfold right yeah that's true and uh and you know the nice thing about it is you get to make more bets uh, and so, you know, that, um, that multiplies like, uh, you, you know, your odds. Okay. So I want to 
jump back to a little bit more about your journey into games. And then we want to talk about Tiny Rex and what Tiny Rex is doing. But EA, especially in Vancouver, is really underappreciated what it did oh, for the gaming industry. And, and you talk to so many people, they just casually say, oh yeah, I was at EA. But uh, uh, can we just dive into like, first of all, what motivated you to get into games? Why EA and what uh, the experience was at EA and how did it equip you to go out on your own? Uh, I mean, yeah, so I've always loved games, uh, you know, ever since growing up. And, you know, um, I, I'm dating myself, but uh, I used to play the Nintendo game. Um, <laughs> so way back, right, when, uh, you know, the, the games were like Contra, Super Mario, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, down, down, left, right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so so th those were like my games growing up, you know, Street Fighter 2, that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, I, I also love sports games. Um, so going into EA, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, uh, EA, EAC, EA Canada at that time, right? it was just all focused on sports games. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but I loved it. I was like, oh, I love NHL 94, right? Yeah, I loved, um, you know, Madden and all those games. I just like... Yeah, because back then it was, it was Madden. And yeah, NHL. Madden, NHL at that time, you know, NBA, right? And uh, FIFA, yeah, FIFA was definitely the big one. Uh, Madden was uh, down in Orlando, so it wasn't um, built here per se, but uh, but it was like all those sports franchises were there. And it was, uh, and, and to be honest, I was like, this is fantastic. It was just like like a childhood dream come true, right? Like, um, and um, yeah, and, and then, you, you know, I had the passion and everything like that. Um, so you're right, EA has done a lot for the uh, Vancouver video game gaming ecosystem. Um, and then not, not just like, not just training people, but but also just like uh, being able to build that that big community. And, uh, and then, you know, like there are cases where like, you know, a team from EA, like, uh, you know, whatever happens, they, you know, they, they go out and they just like create a studio by themselves. Um, and that, that's, that was kind of the case with us. Right. Uh, so me and Tim, my co-founder, and, uh, and, you know, a couple more guys, we were like, we were at EA and we were under the same umbrella, we're like the same team. We're just like, okay, no, let's, uh, let's, yeah, yeah let's, let's try it. Right. Um, yeah. And, and how did the work experience and, and the knowledge that you gained at EA uh, help you with building I, or did it not? And you were <laughs> flying blind. Uh, you, you know, um, I appreciate it a lot more now. Uh, now. Now that I've seen the, you know, growth of the company, I can understand why, uh, you know, EA did the way they did things. Um, they, uh, you know, like the, all the structure, right? And, uh, and, and, you know, EA was, uh, you know, I, I don't think they get credit for it, but they were one of the first ones to bring like into, uh, you know, game development as well. So um, I, I learned a lot there um, about Agile. Like, I, I, I don't think I was doing anything right, um, but I did learn, you know, uh, what they were doing. And they were doing a lot of like UX and usability testing and that kind of stuff as well. So it was like, um, they put a lot more structure and process in place. And then, you know, when we came out to build our own startup, uh, we kind of threw all that away and, and tried to like and we're just like you know get let's just get shit done right and, and just uh, you know just kind of hack our way into it and then all of a sudden like the company gets a little bigger we're like oh shit we do need some of that structure and process in place right um 
and yeah. uh yeah if you actually have that uh, senior management uh ceo hat on you realize oh there there are reasons for there are reasons yeah. yeah and it may not be the most productive way to build the game but there's other repercussions if i don't do that with protecting personal information of employees or or managing uh, the HR side of things, because when you're in the trenches, you don't see that. But from a manager perspective, you realize, okay, if we don't do this, I could potentially get sued. And so, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And not, yeah. And, uh, you know, also it's like, you know, when we're in that big company and we were like, uh, you know, we're doing in the trenches doing the work, we're always like, Oh, you know, why is management doing that? It's like, they don't know what they're doing. We think uh, at some points we're like, oh, we think we're smarter than them, you know, like, um, but again, when, once you see it and you're like, oh, okay, we were smarter than them. This is why they're doing things this way, right? So. But there, there is that other side of it where companies do grow large and, and management, senior management loses context of what's happening on the front lines in the trenches. And that's just a natural issue with every large company is, is you you lose that connectivity and yeah. that's why startups spin out people realize hey there's a way better way for us to solve this problem because uh, new technology or new business processes have been put in place and we can spin out and start something new so it's just a natural life cycle but as you went from ea to blue bat uh blue bat uh, ultimately got acquired but you built it up and, and obviously went through a lot of ups and downs what would you, well, you're doing it. So you're starting a new studio. So what are you doing different this time around than you did with uh, Blue Bat? Uh, you, know, you know, I would say, um, well, first, first of all, I, I think it is, uh, we don't know the outcome of this second one, right? Uh, you know, the first one was, it was, um, was, it was great in that, uh, you know, it was hard, but, uh, but we, you know, we did end up with that, um, that ending, that fairytale ending, I guess you could call it, uh, that, that exit. Um, and, and so doing it the second time around, everything is like deja vu, but it seems a little bit easier uh, just, um, uh, you know, raising money and then putting the team together and that kind of stuff. It just seems uh, everything is a tiny bit easier and it just flows a little bit better where, uh, you know, the first time around we, we were like essentially like brute forcing this thing, right? Like uh, it, it was like, we're gonna will this thing to win, and uh, and everything was like really really tough. Um, so, do you but, find yourself not stressing out about certain things that you probably overstressed out of on the first time around? Uh, yes. So so you know this time around, uh, you know, consciously I, I'm trying to um, not be as a uh, yeah stressed as um and and trying to um you know control that. That uh, I guess that that up and down, right? So so as you know, entrepreneurs. The thing about entrepreneurs that's so tough, right, is that uh, you know one day we're like, oh my god, we, you know, you you late it because uh, you know you just closed the funding funding round or some investor coming, and all of a sudden you're like at the extreme low, right? That that extreme, I, I think is what drives a lot of the, uh, the the mental stress and the burden on on entrepreneurs. Um, so this around. Um, I'm very consciously trying to, uh, you know, balance that uh, so that I, I don't get too too high or too low kind of thing, right? Um, so yeah, it is, uh, and also, you know, the first time around, I think uh, I, I was in the mindset of, um, you know, of course you do everything you can to win, right? For, for yourself, for the investors, for the team, um, for everyone, right? And, uh, but to the point of, 
pushing your body, uh, you know, to 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 that that broken stage, right? To the um, so this time around, I'm like, okay, I, I can do all that stuff, but I need to stay healthy. I need to uh, you know still see my family and take care of my family and all that stuff, and um, and still have that little bit of balance to to understand when I need to uh, just step away. Yeah, and that's the other thing is as you get older, there are other variables that come into the mix, the family, it's health, it's uh, um, a little more awareness about economic conditions and things that are going on in the world because uh, the world's changing. But usually when you're younger, you don't really care about that. You just got your vision of what you want to execute. And as an older generation, you start to realize, oh, well, what is the economic foot, uh, ecological footprint that I'm putting on here and with this company? And uh, you start looking at it from a different lens. Uh, with this new journey, tell us about Tiny Rex. What what's what is Tiny Rex, and how is it different than uh, what you did at Blue Bat? Uh, so Tiny Rex is a uh, is is quite a bit different from Blue Bat. Um, Blue Bat was a uh, well, what happened was we went to B two B and then we went into the focus uh, social casinos as a genre, uh, and then you know we work with a lot of the land based casinos um, as a, as our customers, and um, and we brought that. Uh, we brought the land-based old school type of uh, casinos into like the modern, you know, 21st century. Okay? Um, so we connected them with that mobile gaming side of things uh, so that their players can, you know, uh, when they leave the casino, they can actually play something. Um, so that, that, was, uh, that was our business then. Uh, our business now is, is uh, quite a bit different in that um, we're going back to the, uh, that hit base type of business. Uh, you were going back to our first love our passion for games and we are in a game. Um, so, so we're not building technology, we're building the game. And, uh, and you know, to be honest, like this, things have changed a lot in the last 10 years and, uh, and tools like Unity and, and you know what Eastside Games is doing, who is our publisher, um, have essentially de democratized uh, game development. Um, so, so, you know, um, nobody, at least not, not something that we build can really compete as far as like middleware, like on the, you know, competing against Unity, right? So this, they've uh, essentially taken over that market. Um, but but what we are doing is, is that um, we're being very smart about, um, you know, the type of genre that we hit and uh, and also leveraging their publishers, uh, Eastside Games' knowledge and their tools. And um, and so we're, we're stacking the odds so that uh, if we, you know, if we know it's a hip basic type of business, uh, but we're going in it with our eyes open. Is there a specific genre that you can talk about that you're targeting? And, and is there a title or anything that you want to share? Or is it all stealth mode right now? And, and... Uh, you know, it's definitely not stealth mode and, and definitely not, uh, you know, by the time this thing airs, it'll probably be, a, um, well, no, it won't be launched yet, but uh, yeah, definitely I'll be open. Um, so we're hitting the IO genre, which is a uh, you know something that Eastside Games does really well. Uh, we're leveraging their hit, um, and the reason why we love that genre as well is that um, when when you look at the, all the different market shares of the different genres in the game, uh, this one that's started out as a niche, uh, as almost like a, a joke. Um, some guy way back. Uh, you know, created uh, the cow clicker uh, to make fun of uh, Farmville, and then uh, and it became like a hit. 
And then uh, and I saw another guy. What was the original game? It's a it's it's called cow clicker. Cow clicker. Yeah, yeah. You you literally just click on the cow, and then you know the progress bar goes up. And it was making fun of the uh, appointment mechanics in Farmville. Um, but the thing is, like, it became like a hit. People loved it, and they were like, uh, "Well, even if you strip away all these things in Farmville and make it like uh, automatic and just click on it, and people still liked it." And then uh, and then some other person made a cookie clicker on top of that, uh, kind of like based on that, and it was just like. Um, that took advantage of the uh, the exponential um, numbers. So the, the whole thing about cookie cooker was uh, you click on the cookie and that made more cookies. And then the, with the cash that you earn from some of the cookies, you can buy more grandmas or like, a, yeah, yeah, or like, a, and you just keep on going. And, um, and, and you wouldn't think that, uh, you know, just, just listening to that, you're, you're like, well, this is, there's no point to this game, right? But once you start playing it, you're like, "Whoa, this is a, this is actually really fun." And uh, and I was I was clicking on those, those uh, cookies and grandmas for like uh, like uh, days, um, like and at that time you have to have it in a browser, uh, so I, I kept it open as I worked. Until yeah, until it sucked up too much memory resources, and then I think and I was like, "Oh my god, no." <laughs> Forget um, the work. I lost all my cookies. I lost all my cookies. Yeah, yeah, literally. Like, <laughs> I, I think I had like a portal that was making like like a bazillion cookies, uh, you know, every second or something like that. And it was just like, and I, I was uh, I was like, oh my god, I lost it all. You know. Um, so so now you're going into this whole realm of, of building games that, uh, for all sense of purposes, it's kind of like wash, rinse, repeat. You're creating a model that you're able to replicate with new idols or new. Um, topics or, or characters but the game mechanics are somewhat the same you know the, the game mechanics uh the core game mechanic has been the same uh, as far as i right? um so so it's been the same since the cookie cooker uh but what's really innovative um about what eSide games has done and uh, and what we're doing with them is uh they they built this very cool narrative thing around this game mechanic so it's no longer just you know, uh, clicking cookies and advancing. Like, uh, it's it's like, you know, um, you're you're going into this immersion of this narrative story. Um, you know, one of their biggest hits is a uh, trailer park boys, right? And um, and that matches the whole trailer park series and the season. And and you're going in there, and you're like, it's almost like you're not only are you watching new content, like new seasons of uh, of trailer park boys, but uh, you're also playing this game. That kind of uh, goes with it, um, and and they were able to merge that um, idol and narrative side of things, which is like in itself is very innovative. And uh, but they were able to like, you know, use that to create that ascension moment as well. That that, that makes sense for everyone. Um, so I I think uh, yeah, the, these guys know what they're doing, and um, and you know we're lucky in the sense that they're uh, they're sharing all this with us, and we're building this together. Yeah, they've got some pretty title. Trailer Park Boys, as you mentioned, Archer. Archer, uh, yeah. RuPaul's they just announced. Race. Yeah, uh, yeah. RuPaul, I think that. Yeah, that's the one they just announced as well. Always Sunny. Uh, yeah. Always we're, we're big fans of Eastside Games. Like Launch Academy started at Grow Lab, but Grow Lab yeah. housed within Eastside Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did us. We were like, uh, I think Eastside Games was like the shell, right? The the They were like, kind of like the mothership as well, right? Like, uh, yeah, Launch Academy, Grow Lab, us. 
I think there was like a, maybe four or five other companies and we we're all just there. Arise, I believe was there. And, yeah. Um, I think that that is one thing, Ray, that uh, I think you have done for this uh, Vancouver ecosystem. That's like, um, you know, that uh, I think every startup is like, thank you, Ray. Um, in that, uh, yeah, you, you build this community and, and there's something about when all these um, companies get together, uh, even if they're not doing the same thing, right? It's just like being in that environment and being in that community and, uh, and, and actually just talking to each other. Uh, there, there's something magical that happens that's, uh, that you can't, you can't duplicate by yourself. The way I put it is, is misery loves company. It's all entrepreneurs <laughs> miserable and they want to be around other entrepreneurs. No, but sure. side, like entrepreneur is a very lonely and challenging thing. And, and a lot of entrepreneurs can't talk to their families or can't talk to their friends because they don't understand what they're going through. But the best person for an entrepreneur to learn from is another entrepreneur that just went through what they're going through or went through it six months ago or going through it at the same time, because you can learn together and work together. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, and, and, you know, as, as much as uh, um, I appreciate Grulap and, and what they've done, um, you know, for us, uh, you know, that the whole mentorship and everything like that, you know, they brought in so many mentors, right? And, uh, and we learned so much. I, I think that the biggest benefit for me um, being in that space was, was that, the, you know, we get to see our peers. Eastside Games, we get to learn from them. You know, we get to learn from uh, you guys, right? And uh, and all the other companies in there, it's almost like we're this peer group where everyone just like, like a, we're not in competition with each other, but we're kind of like leveling each other up, right? And and I think that was the biggest benefit that I got out of, uh, you know, Google App Launch Academy and all that, that community. Well, I think the props to you as well, because as you've grown and, and have become successful, you haven't shied away from giving back and helping to mentor other game studios and, and entrepreneurs and um really high tide floats all boats, right? So when you see other entrepreneurs doing well, it helps you. And, and in this yeah, case, absolutely. it motivated you to jump back into the fray of things and start a new studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, you know, that, that's the nice thing about our community is that uh, it just seems to be this, this thing where it's like, um, uh, I guess it may be starting in Silicon Valley where it's like, um, you know, how can I help, right? And, uh, and it's almost like a phrase that uh, when we're talking networking with our entrepreneurs, that's the last phrase that we say, right? Uh, before leaving that coffee date. And it's like, how can I help? And I, I, I love that because, um, you know, entrepreneurs, we, we need a lot of help. Yeah. I want to jump back to this fairy tale ending that you said. Um, <laughs> um, you and I both know fairy yeah. tales yeah. are not what they seem. Yeah, no, um, no. Are you open to discussing that exit and uh, what you learned from uh, that, what you would do differently if you're presented with another opportunity for an exit. Yeah, I mean, so there's always like uh, things that we could have done um, that would have been a, a better choice. Uh, you know, for one thing, um, just for context, the so Blue Bat got an offer for a full acquisition and yeah, yeah, the company yeah. was acquired. We were acquired, yeah. The team were acquired along with the company. So it wasn't a uh, give us the assets and tell the team to go goodbye. Like you guys were part of the- Yeah, we were team. part of it. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so, so you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, when you look at valuation and stuff like that, right? Like uh, had we held a bit longer, I think uh, we would have got a much 
higher valuation. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it was like, um, you know, we were, there wasn't a lot of acquisitions happening at that time. It was like, and I, I know nowadays it's like, there's like you know, acquisitions left and right, that kind of stuff, right? But we were, we were one of the, you know, one of the first ones at that time to, to get like fully acquired. And so, you know, it wasn't a lot of precedence to set. Um, and, and also we're kind of like, well, the iron is hot right now. So let's, uh, let's, let's you know, um, exit while we can kind of thing, right? Um, instead of trying to like hold on to get a little, in case we get a little too greedy, right? Um, we're like, let's get this better under our belt and, you know, get something and, uh, and everyone's happy. And then like, and then we can, uh, at that time we we're thinking, oh, we'll, we'll do something in like uh, for two, two years and we'll start another one. Ended up being like four or five years, but you know, um, but that was the thinking at the time. Um, so you know, we we I, I don't think it was a mistake, but definitely we could have uh, we could have held on to for a better valuation. I, I think the one thing is twenty twenty, right? Like yeah. at that time, and especially in the gaming industry, there were no comparables. People were not getting acquired in that yeah. form of fashion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and, it's, and and if they were, it was basically just for IP, and it's like, okay, we just want the the game. We don't want the team. We've got our own teams. So here's however many million dollars. We'll take the game, and you guys go do something else. But yeah. that wasn't the case for this. You guys were actually the whole team was beginning integrated into uh, the parent company, and, and so that's yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, yeah. It, it was a good exit. It was like a no. We 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 were quite lucky, and we're very grateful for it. Um, and you know uh, we we work really hard and uh, you know we were we understand like uh, at least I understand like a lot of these things is about serendipity and luck as well right and uh, and that definitely played a big part um, and and but you know the the one of the things that I I think uh, for us and this is something that I do tell my mentees and uh, you know a lot of entrepreneurs that maybe is just going through the process of getting acquired or thinking about acquisition is that um. <laughs> Um, your, what happens after the acquisition matters as well. Uh, you know, we, we had this, uh, we, we really liked the team that acquired us and we really liked those executives and, uh, you know, and, and for the first like couple of years, we were just like, Hey, this is fantastic. They were like, um, they were leaving us alone. They were like, um, we were kind of independent. We're entrepreneurs in our own, with our own team, but, uh, uh, but we're also like part of the bigger family, so we didn't have to worry about some of the uh, the, the other stuff, like the financing. They took care of all that other uh, things that they can get off our back. Uh, so it was fantastic. Um, what we didn't realize was that the you know the executives that you work with that you that acquired you, they can get pushed out as well. Um, so so our parent company went through like a you know a structural change. All of a sudden, the people we were, uh, you know, who we were working with, we were used to, were gone, and 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 that became an issue. That, and we're like, oh, okay. Um, so that that was a that was a bit of an eye opener because um, you know, it, it is a you're signing up for marriage with the company, not necessarily the people that you uh, you know, that you're dealing with on a, you know, pre-acquisition. And so in this case, that there's new variables that are out of your control that you have to acknowledge if you are going to make an, uh, an exit and of this nature and then be part of a parent company, you have to accept the fact that there are things that you are no longer going to be able to control and you have to work with. And in this case, yeah, 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 you, you, yeah, you have to be prepared that, um, you know, 
there there's going to be uh, there could be uh, new management coming in, right? And uh, and they might not do the things that the, the previous management wanted to do. Um, and you know, uh, with with us, um, it became it started very entrepreneurial, and it became a lot more uh, structured, as you call it. So if if you were presented with this opportunity again, just using hypotheticals, Eastside Games comes along and decides let's buy Tiny Rex. Um, what would you do different? Well, and you know, what, I, what I love those guys. Position? What about for you yourself? Maybe, maybe Eastside Games is a bad example because <laughs> you know them and they're great people. Well, like Josh, Jason, yeah. Michael, Say, they're, they're like EA they're, came they're along. family, right? Huh? What if EA came along and decided to buy you? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think uh, I would tighten up my uh, exit clause from EA uh, a lot. Um, I, I looked into that a lot more. Can, um, can we break it into two? two um, pieces of advice here. One is for the company itself. And then the second one is for you as, as an individual, uh, because that's another thing I think a lot of entrepreneurs do. They, they put their company ahead of themselves. They put their they team do. ahead of themselves. Yeah, yeah. We, we definitely did that as well, yeah. Those, um, CEOs, those entrepreneurs end up getting screwed or, or uh, getting the short end of the stick. And they don't realize at the time, but uh, in the long run they do. So. What would you do from a company's perspective, and then what would you do differently for your personal perspective? Well, I mean, I mean, from a, a company perspective, I, I would definitely look at um, uh, what their vision is for your company, right? Uh, like, like, well, how do you fit into their overall plan? Um, because uh, you know, when, when we got acquired, they also acquired other groups as well, and uh, and and you know, I, I think the thinking there at that time was that uh, you know they would create an umbrella and then like. You know all these different essentially peers within our umbrella would like help each other out and you know kind of uh, grow together that kind of stuff and, and that was to me that that vision was great um and i love that vision and i think um that is something that uh you know um when you look at the the recent embracer group with uh ata ayugo and all those guys right that's the model that they're creating um and and that's a perfectly good model that i i, I think as an entrepreneur you would just you would just go for your love. So, so from a, a um, company perspective, that's why I would look at is, is that you would have a bit of independence to still maintain your company culture. Uh, because especially in, in what we do with uh, games and um, it, it's the type of games you make and, and whatever success that comes out of it is largely based on the people, right? So, so if you're not able to keep that company culture, and uh, that that's you know independent, then, then you're not going to be able to create recreate that magic. That's going to be the, the the hit right or the games. Um, so I, I would look at that. Uh, like like if, if you're going to get sucked in and just be like a division, then then it's, it's yeah you have to be prepared to say hey you know what we're not going to be able to maintain that company culture and you know the type of games that may may suffer right. Um, so that, that's the first thing I would look at from the company's perspective is uh, the structure and what their vision is there. Um, and then uh, from, from a, a founder's perspective, um, the earnout itself, um, what I would do is, is make it into two separate pieces. I, 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 so one is, um, okay, you're, you're, you're getting acquired, you want us. Right, as a you know, entrepreneurs, as, as like founders and everything like that. Okay, this is the acquisitions for this piece here, right? 
the earnout itself, like uh, now you have to do something to kind of like entice me to stay, right? So, so I would tighten that up. So not not be like, hey, okay, we're gonna acquire you for uh, maybe like for amount, but uh, don't worry, your your earnout is in the back end. Right? Like uh, you know, it's gonna be like three years from now or four years from now or two years from now. Um, I I would almost treat it as two separate deals. Yeah, because so much can happen between the exit to when the earnout's supposed to uh, come to fruition. It, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's where a lot of uh, entrepreneurs get bitten uh, because um, e even for things that uh, they they have no control over, like like you know what that we're talking about before, right? It's like it's like hey, you know, um, I know we can do this earnout, this, um, and it's great, but you know, yeah, what what if uh, what if those people get fired, or like what if they um, you know, they decide to tighten up or whatever it is, right? It's, it's really tough. Again, to a lot of variables that are no longer in your control. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you're able to, I, I know definitely like, you know, uh, you have to do an URL period, right? So, so um, being able to treat it as two separate deals is, is probably not doable per se, but I would, um, I would come in with a mindset of this is two separate deals. That's a, you know, this deal is for now, right? Like up until you're purchasing this, right? And then starting from now on, and uh, in the future, that's a that's something else. And yeah, you do have to entice us as well. Yeah, it's it's all negotiation, and um, I always advise entrepreneurs like, if you're not comfortable doing that or you don't know how to do it, talk to other entrepreneurs that have gone through it because they will tell you what they would have wished to do and yeah, done things differently, and they might even be able to step in and help you negotiate as well because uh, uh, don't do it on your own if, if you're not comfortable doing it. I Kenny, it's been a, a great conversation. We could probably go on for another hour, but a <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, real uh, valuable insight from you. And uh, I want to kind of wrap it up with our standard three questions. The first one is, what is an app or a tool or a philosophy or way of life that has helped you in the journey that you have as an entrepreneur? Uh, so, so, you know, we, we talked about before as, as we get older, right? Uh, we kind of have to have to kind of uh, balance things a little bit better. Um, and then not necessarily, uh, work less, but, but just like slow it down a little bit. Um, so, so I, you know, it has changed a bit. Like when I was younger, I, I was the whole, uh, you know, gung ho, like, uh, that's, that's, you know, do everything you can. And, and you're, you're hustling like, uh, you know, like 24 hours a day kind of thing. You don't sleep. You just do everything you can to, to win, right? Um, kind of more the uh, the Gary V approach. Um, and uh, I, I think maybe it's the fact that I'm older. Uh, one, I don't have the energy to be able to do that anymore. Um, but also, I, I think it's a mentally, it's, it's, it's a much healthier uh, approach when you can kind of like slow down a little bit and actually balance your, your health and put that as a priority. So, so whatever it is that you need to do, uh, exercise, slow down, yoga, meditation, um, that, that matters and it matters a lot. So mental health is- Mental health. Physical health. Yeah, 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 definitely. And our next question is um, a bit of advice or like this is actually very poignant because you're doing it yourself. Normally we ask like, what would you advise somebody that's starting a new company or a new entrepreneurial journey first time or seasoned entrepreneur, somebody starting something new today, what would you advise them 
and you're doing it yourself. <laughs> what is it? That, uh... Uh, well, you, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to follow my own advice here, but uh, I would say, um, you know, everything seems like it's the end of the world, right? Uh, when, when you're doing entrepreneurship, but uh, but it really isn't. Like everything's kind of like the, there's that quote, um, everything is the small stuff, uh, something like that. It's like, but it, it is true. It's like um, nothing is as important or as urgent as you make it out to be. And then, you know, it's like, so just uh, try to enjoy the journey uh, because it flows by so fast, right? It's a, like all of a sudden it's like you're, you're, you're exiting and you're, you're in a different company and all of a sudden it's like um, you didn't get to enjoy it as much. And uh, and this time um, consciously, uh, I'm trying to not just like balance a bit more, but also be a bit more in the moment and just uh, really enjoy this journey a bit more um, and, and see because uh, it's a lot of fun. right? So this is why a lot of us are doing this. Yeah, that's it's. it's ironic that you you hear these things when you're younger but you don't really take it to heart like stop and smell the roses or oh, yeah um it's not the destination it's the journey to the destination that really matters when you're young you don't realize it but as you get older you realize oh like shit i missed out on those <laughs> I, yeah. back, I wish i spent another hour there or uh, yeah. yeah enjoyed this time with my team or or took yeah it to exactly the, yeah yeah, there, there's something really um, when when you create something out of nothing, right? Uh, and, and when you, that, especially when you create a team out of nothing, it's like a, it is special, right? And and um, and I can look back and then say like, oh my god, like I should have, I should have spent more time with the team instead of like a, you know, like doing talking about this thing in behind closed doors, right? And uh, and just uh, yeah, just enjoy it more. <laughs> That's uh, that's awesome. Life is all about enjoyment. Um, yeah. Last thing is for you to give us your ask. What is it that our audience can do for you? And Tiny Rex. Tiny Rex. Uh, well, I mean, we're always uh, we're always recruiting. Um, I mean, this is pretty new, right? So, so we do have uh, positions open. Uh, I'm not sure if those positions will still be open when it's filled, but uh, definitely go to tinyrexgames.com and see if there's any uh, career postings. Um, and uh, yeah, we would love to have you. And uh, we're a great group of people. And uh, we'll build something special together. I can definitely vouch for that. Kenny and his team are awesome. They are great entrepreneurs, great human beings, and uh, definitely leaders in the gaming industry. So that's tinyrexgames.com. Check it out. We're hiring like crazy. Kenny, it's been awesome talking to you, and we wish you nothing but the best. You too, buddy. All right. Cheers, Ray. Thanks. Launch Ventures is for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you enjoyed today's episode of Founder Journey, please share this with your friends, family, and other entrepreneurs. If you're ready to start your own entrepreneurial journey and would like some guidance, please head to launchacademy.ca and check out our entrepreneurship course and other online resources like our Launchpad for virtual incubation and mentorship.